0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Peugeot 3008 GT Line Special Edition. Hello, I'm Alan.
1: Hello, I'm Andrew. Alan, what is a Peugeot 3008 GT Line Blue HDI 130
0: E88, then? (laughs) Sure, I just... Really, is that the best you can come up with? So, um, I, I had an unusual... I had an unusual need whenever I borrow, borrowed this, because normally it's you who does the, I've got a huge family and I've got to move them around, so I need an SUV. And what I actually needed was to move, the apologies to Mrs. Windscreen at that point, because I'm more scared of her than I am of you. I Aren't actually needed to move. Yeah, well, yes, this is very true. Yes, because uh, I needed to move a little sister and even littler baby uh, from Guildford at the time to, to Scotland and back. So actually, before little baby was even born, I was doing protective uncle thing and had booked an SUV to, to travel the length of the country and back, which goes against all of my, well, I don't see why all of a sudden you have this tiny baby and you need a massive car. Why can't you just get away with something golf-sized? And of course, first thing I did was, oh my goodness, I can't be responsible for damaging child, uh, not being able to carry stuff the length of the country or any of these things. And of course, my own car being a three-door tiny hatchback with not a particularly huge boot uh, was not really 100% <laughs> suitable for this kind of trip. So well, that in the fact I was scared that, you know, RSI from bouncing up and down all the time. Uh, so the 3008 of course is Peugeot's C-size SUV uh with uh, with five seats it is of course <laughs> sits in the in the the Peugeot SUV range between the 2008 and the 5008 unsurprisingly mm-hmm. uh the one i had was the GT line which was the not quite top of the range so there was GT line premium which includes a glassy roof, and GT uh, specs uh, above this. Uh, the model I had came with a 1.5-litre, 130-metric-horsepower diesel engine, uh, coupled up to an 8-speed automatic gearbox and front-wheel drive only, because they are only available in two-wheel drive. But there are ways of getting around that, which we'll talk about a little bit mm-hmm. later on. At uh, the time of testing and and that was actually some time ago it, the cost was 31,795 pounds on the road as standard however this was a press car so it um it didn't come unfurnished with extras it had sunset copper metallic paint which mm. i really liked other people went, "Oh, it looks like metallic turd," and all sorts of silly things like that, because of course it was metallic brown, but i when it looked even when it was slightly grubby, it was fine, it, it stayed looking clean colour. for quite a long time.:
1: It's a good color on that it
0: is yeah, uh, but when it was when it was clean and when there was even just the slightest hint of Persia sunshine, it looked fantastic.:
1: yeah, it does seem to be quite a deep color as well when the sun's shining there seemed to be a lot of oh god crikey we're getting very geeky here but uh quite a lot of depth to the to the
0: it was particularly glossy yes and just the quality of the paint actually yeah. really seemed quite good just generally it did as you say it had quite a lot of depth to it quite a lot of uh and quite a lot of metallic uh in there as well we also had the smart electric tailgate for 750 pounds Advanced grip control for £470, which I liked lots. Heated front seats and the driver massage function for £560, which, which was, we'll, we'll come to it. All in all, that added up to £34,150 on the road. Uh, of course, nobody uh, pays for these things in one fell swoop these days it's not that kind of car but putting in some reasonable numbers to Peugeot's own configurator means you're looking about 350 to 400 pounds a month in this spec depending on you know your mileage may vary it depends on number of miles and and all Mm -hmm. these kind of things but uh but yeah you're looking in that kind of that kind of boundary uh anyway so should we start on the outside seems a pretty good place to start uh so it's a good looking vehicle. Quite a lot of people were surprised it was a Peugeot whenever we were talking to them and sort of showing it off because we had all the all the relatives up when we were up there for, you know, first first sight of Tiny Baby. And people people did ask me what it was, partly because they couldn't believe I would have bought one. But they did ask me what it was and and were genuinely surprised when I said it was a Peugeot.
1: Well, yeah. Let's let's remember though. People's last experience of a three thousand and eight before this this new look, it was not a flattering look for the vehicle. It <laughs> it wasn't one that was was no, kind at on, all. on those viewing it. So, I mean, we said this when we had the five thousand and eight. The the design language change that they they've created, they've gone mm-hmm. for with Peugeot has has made a massive difference, I think, to them.
0: The perceived price is way higher now. It's just the detailing is really nice. It's stuff like the, the, um, there's just all sorts of nice things. It's like the, the sort of brushed aluminium styly roof bars that Mm. were on this one. The, the detailing around the the lamps at the front and the rear, especially once you've got the, the, the key on, I noticed that the, 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 the Peugeots are one of the few cars which actually gives you rear, um, DRLs as well. So the backlight, you know, the back side lights come on essentially with the day, the daylight running lights. Uh, so you've got those claws poking through. It just and the the way the surfacing is, you know, those kind of triangles and, and sharper creases. It just looks expensive.
1: It looks like someone's paid attention to all the details in it. I mean you're gonna go talk about the interior in a bit, mm-hmm. but the, the yeah. exterior as well. People have yeah. paid attention and spent time on it, where perhaps in not the mega recent past, but you know the the the, the early noughties and stuff like that. The relatively bit,
0: recent past, mate. It
1: was a bit, you know, it was it was mm-hmm. it was all right. To, it was all right yeah. to very bland, wasn't it? And and this they've definitely put effort into, yeah. and that's reflected. And it, it's credit as well, credit to them because it's. It's such a noticeable car now, in in all the right for all the right reasons.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I liked about it is that too often in some of these, I don't say car-like, but in the highly road-balanced SUVs, then they do tend to forget about the the whole. Hey, maybe it might be nice to make this look like it could, if you wanted to, go a little bit, a little bit off of a gravel driveway, and so there's actually quite a nice balance on on the three thousand and eight between. Painted area and uh, bright work, and then cladding because we love a bit of cladding. Yes, and and the cladding quite nicely sort of takes down the weight of the the painted area because of you know the big, oh, the way cars are now and the proportions they have to be. Where you've got quite a high side to the car, and then you've got quite yeah. a low glass house, and in order to look dynamic.
1: But it, but it's done with the, with the Peugeot. It's done in such a way that it's it's not. Uh, all cladding to hide a lot of metal. The, it, the proportions are very, very well worked out.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's really quite neat there. Uh, the other thing that they've remembered about is to leave some tire wall. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, the eighteen, in- I know the eighteen-inch alloys that you get as packaged along with the the package that was extra, which I now can't remember the name of the grip assist. They leave a nice chunk of tire wall there. They're, they're 25555 R18s. So there's a fair old, you know, you've got 10 centimeters or so of, of tire wall there. So they're, they're nice wheels and they were Conti cross contacts as well. So they were, they were good tires, which did actually have some grip off road or on, uh, on, um, forest roads, which is what I did, um, to test it out. One last thing on the outside, the LED headlamps on this car were absolutely excellent and it may be that I've become slightly used to older tech headlamps on cars but the LEDs on, on this did seem particularly good. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. uh, so laps. it's not just uh, those headlights are not just um, a fashion item, they're, they're really useful as well.
0: Yes, they illuminate things beautifully which is kind of what a headlamp should do, yeah.
1: yeah well, one would hope. <laughs>
0: yeah, well <laughs> doesn't always go hand in hand, you know. So uh, it was just just, uh, an honourable mention for those.
1: Okay, then. Well, as you said you needed this vehicle to transport people for a change uh, of various sizes and requirements and needs, talk to us about the interior.
0: To be honest, the people weren't a problem. (laughs) What was a problem was the world's biggest
1: baby buggy. Well, no, I've got a theory on that. I think car manufacturers have invested in baby buggy manufacturers. And they may be actual wings, so they've gone. Ooh! In order to sell these bigger vehicles, let's make only bigger prams.
0: <laughs> well, this is true because so uh, little sister is is uh, is a keen runner uh, when she gets a chance. So when it came to specking baby buggy, it has to be super modular, slightly off road, all these kind of things. So it is a, this three wheeler two lay job, which. Sure, it folds in half. After that, not a lot. And at the time, then you needed a little carry cot as well, addition and an extra thing. And to be honest, it became a bit easier. And I'll talk about it in a second. It came a bit easier on the way back because by then I had discovered that there were so many more levers that you could pull on the buggy to make it a bit smaller. And you could at least remove its 10-inch wheels.
1: Yep, been there. <laughs> Which
0: added another good four inches to the width and stuff. So, yeah. And I knew that babies travel with lots of stuff. That was fine. That was part of the reason for doing this. But but I simply had not taken into account there, the size you of this there. sodding baby buggy. <laughs> yeah, quite. So on the way north, we ended up with some bag overflow from the boot. Okay. And, and I'm ashamed of that because the whole idea of getting an SUV was to not have that. When I was packing the car gate, actually, I'll tell you what it was. When I was looking for somewhere to stow the boot cover, because unlike many cars, the boot cover wasn't a sort of roll-out soft thing that, that that just retracted back. It was actually a solid, it's a solid yeah. shelf, okay, which lifts with the tailgate and stuff, just, just tradi- like a traditional hatchback one, really. So once you've got the boot cover with you, it's kind of with you, and there's nothing you can do about it. But what I discovered as I was trying to work out if it was possible to stow it under the lifting boot floor was that in actual fact you could drop the entire boot floor about four inches. So when I got the car, the boot was... And on the way north, the boot floor was flush with the load lip. Yep. When you discover that you get an extra four inches by dropping this thing down, all of a sudden the buggy can go on its side, the suitcases can stand vertically, and even though we were carrying far more stuff on the way back down... We actually the the use of space was so much better. So so do be aware of stuff like that. And if you are looking at one of these and you open the boot, you think that's quite shallow, or maybe not quite deep enough for what I want and what I need. Then do be aware that it, it it does go down, and you can stow it, you know, in in the in the floor of this sort of undercroft. In there, mm. and it makes a significant difference to the amount of usable space. Whenever you're in a situation like I was, I mean, ninety percent of the time you're fine with it in the, in the higher position.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is uh, because this summer I I travelled obviously with the family again, and there was a couple of vehicles where they had the the floor. Well, one of the vehicles had the floor mm. that was that you could drop down, and at, and at times mm-hmm. having that hidden element is brilliant. But you need to you need to understand with the stuff you're taking when it is time to drop it and when it is time to use it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, to be honest, I was originally looking because my you know I'm used to used to ravs and stuff. Um, My mum's rav has has a retractable cover, but you can actually sort of stow it semi under the floor if you lift out the right bits. There's a slot that it sits in, and that's really what I'd been looking for uh, when I discovered that that you could actually. Drop the floor. It just seemed a bit... It was one of those cases where you're standing there looking at it and thinking, everything else is so well thought out. There has to be something I can do here.
1: Is that the only example of cost engineering, do you think? Or is that the most obvious... Not particularly. ...obvious... Because how much, it would be interesting to know how much more exp, or what the cost price difference is between a retractable and the solid.
0: Well, the solid's going to be cheaper, but is in theory better, mm. really, if you're the passenger and the owner. And as I say, 90% of the time, I mean, after that, once it dropped the floor, then then there was no need to do anything or put anything on top of the shelf. Yeah. It was fine. Yeah. It just sat in its normal place. One thing that wasn't, before I finish up with the boot, because I've been waffling about that for a little bit now. <laughs> Is just to quickly mention that there are no curry hooks. Andrew, I'm sorry. Dum dum dum. Yes, no curry hooks. Back seats, then. So we'll go from back to front, as we tend to do. I did have a complaint from the 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 from from passenger number one that when she was sitting in the back to to look after Sproglet, uh, the seat seats could be a bit slidey. Now the GT line has. Mistral Imola leather effect and cloth seat trim with alkanite double stitch detail, <laughs> which is, it's, it's essentially pleather and cloth, which is, it's really putting it down because it looks great mm. and it's actually really, really comfortable. And it, it doesn't matter that it's kind of not real cow, as is so often the case these days. Uh, I, I mean, don't think it's Peugeot and cheapening or anything because Mercedes Benz are at it as well. It's playing out and, and, and with the cloth in the middle, so it's not as if you get sweaty or anything like that, which which happened on vinyl seats of old, you know, just like a marina. <laughs> the front seats, however, were really quite bolstered, so it was really in the back, uh, and it was to allow three people to sit across the way. As is the way, though, there are only two ISOFIX yep. pairings. Yep. You, know, you have to uh, go up a, right, so.
1: a level or into the Rifter yeah. if you want the three, I think. I'm, sorry, I can't remember off the top of my head whether the five thousand and eight actually has three or not.
0: I didn't think so. I thought it was a say, take it. But and the, uh, oh
1: I know the Rifter does, which is part mm-hmm. of the Peugeot range, definitely because there's three proper seats there with the actual. You can see the holes and it's saying, "Yeah, so fixing them." Yeah.
0: So this one, I mean this this is it's still it's still two with quite a bit of space in between. It's a nice wide back seat, uh, and you understand why they've kept it flat. So even when people get carried away uh Crossing Persia, then with if you've got three kids, or even two kids in armrest, then they won't complain too much about uh, skating around. Rear floor is flat. Obviously, it's front-wheel drive a with a thing. quite high floor. Yeah, face vents in the back of the centre console, which is so massive uh, and has cooling vents in it that it is just a massive cool box.
1: Always oh, good to know where to put uh, Mrs. Crack Windscreen's wine then. Thank you for that.
0: Yes, yes, that is definitely. And it's definitely big enough for, you know, enough wine to keep Mrs. Mrs. Windscreen going for, well, maybe an evening. Um, <laughs> as long as you start quite late, you know.
1: <laughs> I'll pass on your regards. The-
0: <laughs> there is only a 12-volt socket in the back of it, no USB ports for charging, just the one 12-volta, so you will need a Wii adapter. In the back, it is kind of dark, okay, The back windows in this have a very heavy tint. It looks great. It doesn't inhibit the view out because in actual fact, Mm -hmm. when you're in the back, the shoulder line is quite low. Believe it or not, because the roof is the roof there. Get roof and floor mixed up, because the floor is quite high in the back there. So, so you know there is plenty of view out the windows to the side. Yeah, but it is a little bit on the dark side. If you go for GT Line Premium and GT Line, then it adds a panoramic opening glass roof with electric interior blind and blue ambient lighting, which is is fine if you've got older children. In all honesty, it was quite sunny. The darkness helped us keep Sproglet in the shade which was no bad mm-hmm. thing, really. Visibility out was was just fine uh, from the sides and through through to the front. Cool. Uh, up front, though, was a little bit weird, because although you've got this part, part pleather trim, the seats were actually manual. And it gets even weirder when you realize the seats are manual and heated, but not just that. The seats are manual, heated, and in this case have the massage function, which was fantastic, but it just seems weird to have massaging seats where the seats, Control is is manual. I loved the massage thing by the way, especially on the way back down when we had quite a long it was quite long on the way back and my back was getting a little bit sore by the time we got towards Heathrow. So it was good to just, you know, show you about a bit. If you put it on on quite a high intensity, then it really is giving you a decent old pummel there. Uh, <laughs> yes. Right <laughs> up and down your back. It was great. I loved it. It was so good. Longer journeys, perfect was brilliant. Uh, it really was good. Worth mentioning, Peugeot iCockpit up front. It seems to be one of those things that people either love or hate. Now, I'm used to instruments being above the steering wheel as a Toyota Yaris nerd and the owner of many one Yaris with the central digitally binnacly bit. Mm-hmm. So, didn't bother me at all. I really liked it. I found that the that binnacle it was digital instruments in it in the three thousand and eight you know the full sort of active screen setup it took me a little while to choose the um the graphic pack that I wanted and that was closest to to what I needed I think in the end I went for the nav one. Which did without some of the more pretentious graphics, mm-hmm. and presented the map and the directions really nice and clearly uh, up in front. Again, you don't need a head-up display if you've got that, because the whole display is is nice and high. Mm. I said I did find, take me a little while to find out the kind of various pieces of information that I like, stuff like range, fuel consumption, or all that kind of stuff. But once I configured that, once I just left it and I was nice and happy.
1: Yeah, that's something I found as well. That when you when you find the info you want, generally you don't usually have much need to go through the the menus again, do you?
0: No, not not really. I was I was quite happy with that, and I did really like the way it presented the map. I felt I actually felt that binnacle was was way better than the central one. I found the one the central one a bit. You know the screen in the middle above yeah. Yeah, things. Uh, I found it was a bit grainy and, and not nearly as good. It was a bit. It felt a bit second. It would probably have been fine on its own, but it felt a bit second rate after the lovely Wizzy yeah, graphics yeah. and 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 just the niceness and the depth.
1: There's a very much a premium feel to that eye cockpit with the way it's been executed.
0: Well, yeah, and the the kind of the central one just didn't. It was fine. It would be. You know, it would have been just fine if the eye cockpit one hadn't been so good yeah. in my mind yeah yeah they just kind of put it into into relief so i'm not i'm not dissing it i'm just saying that i i preferred the one straight ahead yeah. what else was there oh there are some other fun things so there were moods and scents which this is fantastic i don't know how they ever got this through but the it could do two different moods in the if you if you selected them to sort of calm and relax you and uh, the one of them, the one with sandalwood, and I, I don't have a note of, I foolishly didn't include it in here. The, the one with the sandalwood was really nice. I love the smell of sandalwood anyway. And it was quite nice to just occasionally, if you're on your own, you could just, just kind of press the button and you get a little bit of, of, of sort of some volatile solvents uh, injected <laughs> into the incoming air. And, you know, it would, it would sort of do a little massage on you. And it just, the two of them together worked really nicely. If you've been on the road for quite a while. I mean, this is actually, this is a really good car for, for longer distance, longer distance travel. Uh, what else was there? So I say real like the eye cockpit, the binnacle buttons, which were genuine, a hundred percent metal by the feel of it. Uh, and just the layout and they were relatively intuitive and just just nice i also really liked that the wing mirrors uh auto dipped whenever you put it into reverse so you got a nice view down the side yes just like a just like a bmw uh, well certainly bmw used to and it just made it really good it really easy to position the car in a parking space if like me you you tend to reverse park which is doubly useful because the standard reversing camera is a little bit sucky
1: technical term huh?
0: (laughs) yes very technical term I guess the view at the back was fine, but it tried to fill in and pretend to be a sort of 270 degree view by, by doing this kind of synthesized view of the sides by, as you reversed back, it would sort of fill forward and sort of remember part of the image Mm. down the sides of the car, which was fine unless you were a little bit on the P and then you sort of keep steering and then it it didn't really sort it out. And the mirrors were better. Use the mirrors, use the, the rear view camera for just making sure I wasn't about to hit the wall, but to make sure I was lined up with spaces, the, the dipping mirrors just made it just made it a piece of cake. And then good size mirrors as well.
1: Yeah, the dipping mirrors are, again, another example of the details have been thought through. Someone has used yeah. the car and gone, this makes it more useful. Do mm-hmm. this, and it's more helpful to whoever's driving
0: yeah. it. Yeah. Couple of little grumbles. The volume knob is also the power knob. And it's one of those ones where the middle doesn't stay the same way up. So when you turn the volume knob, the power icon moves around as well. And so sometimes it ends up on the cock. And that's just really quite annoying.
1: Oh my God.
0: You think you've, you've sort gone it. there? I've gone there. I've gone. This is peak Mojo. I Uh, mean, I I know we have
1: to make a comment about something in the interior, but the fact that the oh
0: Oh, no, it's really annoying because the whole interior is really nice. And then you look down, you see that it's all sort of, you know, the power but the power symbol is like it's not even ninety degrees. (laughs) It's on the peak. And I knew you were going to make fun of me for that. And you know what? You you can stick it.
1: Um, I'm the one who gets abuse for being a bit too finicky. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that one just bugs me. Sorry, that one just... Because some cars, they keep it in the middle, and it's just the outside that turns and the button... I'm not going to take photographs
1: of wheels with the logo slightly off-centre and send them to you.
0: Mate, I'm at a Volkswagen driving day coming up soon, and Volkswagens <laughs> do that too, and it drives me just as mad. It, it, just, it just... Just don't put the symbol on it! That's all you have to do. Just ignore the symbol.
1: Oh, right, uh, moving I'll on I'll from go- Alan's slight breakdown... <laughs>
0: Other grumbles is that there is only one USB port, which can be a pain if you are trying to charge things. And it is right down in the bowels of the dashboard, sort of underneath the sticky ODI cockpit bit, and you can't really find it very easily. There is wireless charging as well, but sometimes it's nice to plug in. But it had CarPlay. Yay! We all love CarPlay here in Europe. I used the Peugeot Nav, though. Uh, not the car because the car. If you're using Apple Maps, then you don't get the the binnacle support for the map. Oh right, that's and interesting. What's coming up? That. So I well, you find that quite often. Hyundai's do that as well. The
1: i30. Well, I, I, I never use Apple Maps anyway, so I always use the in car. All oh, right. Su- uh, well, so do I. To some more. Uh, depends. Positive reactions or results than others. <laughs>
0: Yes, well it is a bit, it, it's variable isn't it you've got, to, you've got to try both of them But no, the TomTom the Tom, uh, Nav was, was good uh, But CarPlay is great for audible and podcasts and things
1: mm. Okay, so then, right We've heard that you were obviously going round sideways Through the Persia roads Because your rear passenger was complaining Of the slidiness of the rear bench <sighs>
0: She was, She was. by the way, I would like to point out, she was more complaining about the slidiness of the rear bench than my driving.
1: Mm. I, I I would suggest that one is the result of the other, perhaps, sir. I put it to you.
0: Well, she's not... No, 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 no. And she's, she's not in a position to complain.
1: She was a new mother. She can complain about whatever she wants. I
0: so was in the car with her the other day, when we went past a Mazda MX-5, and she went, ah, that's nice, I miss mine, but... that one needs lowering springs (laughs) 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 yeah that's what i was contending with okay so passenger someone who just drives so she wasn't going to complain about that amazingly yeah driving it no lowering springs here no, no new super niche Nurburgring records being being clocked uh, because with a hundred and thirty brake, it wasn't particularly quick. Uh, not on the traffic light Olympics, it wasn't bad, but and once you got up to speed, then it would sit quite happily at speed. I mean, it was a typical French car thing. Okay, not particularly quick, but it can sit at eighty all day long.
1: Mm-hmm. That's obviously eighty kilometers per hour.
0: One hundred and thirty kilometers an hour. I mean, in that particular situation, <laughs> I think even it would have trouble sitting at eighty kilometers an hour. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. Once you had speed, it hustled along just fine. The gearbox did not like overtaking. It, it could get itself into quite quite a tiz, actually. And the best way to deal with that was to actually prod at the sport button whilst you were waiting for an opportunity so that it was already sort of pre-primed, yeah. uh, to go. If you, you were just sitting there and then mashed your foot, then it would, it would just, just tie itself in knots. Uh, but you know, that was a very specific situation. The rest of the time, the gearbox completely, it was completely unobtrusive. If you were aiming for smooth and comfortable, then it was, it did smooth and comfortable absolutely perfectly. Okay. Uh, without an issue, issue at all. Again, worth mentioning, really good ride comfort that, uh, that, you know, actually having some sidewall on the tires and, and some compliance in there. I mean, this, this definitely not a vehicle you're going to be, you're going to be setting ring, uh, ring lap times in, but around town on crummy Persia roads, any of these things, it was, it just kind of absorbed the vast majority of it. Bit of body roll when cornering, as I say, that, that came, from the
1: back but is that not in line with the comfort and the dampened ride and all that sort of stuff so yeah 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 so that that goes with the territory type of thing people should expect that to happen
0: absolutely yeah but it's not so bad in the front because the front seats are quite heavily bolstered yeah so you don't really notice because you're not sliding around the place mm-hmm. on on the pleather bench there was one thing that happened and that's that that's the The combination of this type of car plus i-cockpit is that i-cockpit you have a very small steering wheel
1: yes i was going to ask you about this <laughs>
0: with a very small steering wheel you i
1: one maybe me
0: natural one one naturally <laughs> associates it with having a very quick steering rack yes and so i quite often would just turn into a corner in a way that i'm really with turning into a corner only to then find that actually I hadn't turned as sharply as I thought, and I was now not turning into the corner as quickly <laughs> as I. And then you have to put a second chunk of lock on, which I don't think helps with the body roll because you're destabilising and then you're destabilising again. Mm. Uh, so that is one thing because you get because the wheels so um, Andrew can see me wave my arms around because you think okay, well I'm just going to do cross my arms and do my my, my full on Alan Prost impression here. An actual fact, you find that it doesn't need half a turn, it needs three quarters of a turn. Then, then that tends to that, that I don't think that helps with the body roll. So just do be aware that the steering rack is not as quick as you think it
1: is. I dropped into that same sort of uh, mindset when I had the 5008, because again, it had the small steering wheel and because of the way the cockpit's laid out and things, you can forget that you're in a larger vehicle. And,
0: yes, and, yes, And the absolutely. steering wheel is
1: a, is a giveaway for me because there's been, back in my history, I've have, I have put small steering wheels on cars deliberately. And you know, so this is my youth coming back. And then you, you just go, oh, it's a small steering wheel, therefore it's a little nippy thing that I'm driving around in. Yeah. And you then go, it's not... You've got people, luggage, and actually quite a large vehicle with you, so just chill yeah. out a bit but i but I do love the yeah. small steering wheel i do i, I oh I yeah think yeah, it, yeah, I do I think it works really well and is opposite to how everybody else has gone
0: yeah yeah i i i think it generally does work this is this is the only downside mm. by the way, and remember, I only had this for a week yeah
1: yet. it's it's
0: it's more uh, it's remember us, that.
1: Not the car at that point. <laughs>
0: Yeah. 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 I, I, I agree. Uh, once you're used to it, I'm sure be just fine. Start, stop. I found it was again. I remember I only had the car a week. I found it was easily confused by me moving my foot on the brake pedal. Maybe I needed to hel- hold my foot more firmly on the brake pedal when I was sitting in traffic or uh, at junctions, but you have it, to I found that it would braking, just it would stop, stop left foot braking. <laughs> I do not do that. I don't I know, do that. I saw somebody on about that recently. I was just like, what, what the heck are you doing? Absolute cracking, absolutely cracking vehicle on the motorway. It really can cruise and cruise and cruise and cruise and cruise. I would have no issues if if I was going a long journey and somebody said, you're going on this, you're going on this, you're going to cover 600 miles a day for the next three days. Oh, and by the way, you're getting a Peugeot 3008 uh, automatic. It's like, great. Yeah, brilliant you could quite easily you know it's at least as good as something ten thousand pounds more expensive Mm -hmm. uh, at doing this this kind of thing especially if you've got a couple of people if you're four up in this you'd still be comfortable yeah perfect overall i got 47 miles per gallon over 1269 miles an average of 51 miles per hour that is at the low end of the combined figure and at the upper end of the low mpg spectrum There was quite a lot of distance. There was quite a lot of sitting at, sitting at, at motorway speeds, as well as a fair bit of, of trundling up and down tracks to get up and down to, to mom and dad's and to, to take it places and, and. Cross country, it's like Octorada to Aberfeldy to Octorada to Aberfeldy to Octorada. If, if you know that road, uh, through the small glens. So there's, it's not an economy drive. There's steep hills and sharp bends and, and all sorts of fun stuff like that. So, so yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good mm-hmm. to be honest. Didn't have an issue at all there.
1: Uh, it would be interesting to see. It would be interesting to do a direct head to head with the 1.2 petrol. Because that that was, I was, I mean, I know I go on about it, but I was blown away about how good that was and how economical an engine that was.
0: You're a total sucker for that engine, aren't you?
1: Oh, absolutely. I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't, I, I had to check the spec two or three times. And I was going, no, I've got the wrong sheet. This is, this is a diesel. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way that this is supping this and is this responsive and this got this much torque and all the rest of these things. This isn't the right engine for this piece of paper. But it but it was. Yeah. It was just they've done a great job there. And it, and if that diesel's anything comparable, that'll be just fantastic.
0: The thing is it's the same uh the same power output mm. as the petrol. So the one point two is is one thirty, but you can't get you can't get the one point two with an automatic in the three thousand mm-hmm. and eight. I I think I would take the automatic to be honest. What I was I about to talk about? I was about to talk about technology, wasn't I? So all the usual safety stuff. AC, DC, WC, uh, all that kind of thing. <laughs> what I really liked was the advanced grip control.
1: Okay. Talk us through that.
0: What it is is a snazzy pseudo differential uh, that works on the front wheels. And the idea is to give you the benefits of uh, all-wheel drive without actually needing all the wheels. So there's four modes, five modes, if I count. Uh, there's, <laughs> it has standard, snow all terrain sand and of course all of the esp turned turned off
1: why you would do that i have no idea but whatever
0: you're on your own mate well if you once you get stuck to be honest although you shouldn't really be getting stuck there will be a link in the show notes to the Peugeot page which has uh, which has little demonstration videos uh, of all of these kind of things but it essentially optimizes the it's like the terrain thing that Land Rover has. It's just that it only works on two wheels and it uses the brakes to, to sort of, to sort of make sure there isn't too much slippage from, from left to right, uh, just there. The other thing which it comes, uh, which is part of, is part of all of that, uh, that setup is hill descent control. Okay. Uh, and there's, t- there's two modes on it. So if you're on a steep enough hill and you're going below about 19 miles an hour, then it will just do its thing and, and, and just sort of apply the brakes to, to keep you straight, uh, and to keep you, to keep your whatever speed you've set whenever you're descending. There is a sort of second mode, which is if you're something even steeper, you can actually, I think if you hold the button, I can't remember now. I think I held the button it's in the video anyway, which I can't play at the minute, then it will actually put you into a super low creep mode where you can creep down obstacles at about two miles an hour. And the whole thing is really quite impressive. So I took, uh, I took the car up the line road at force, which is not a publicly available road. I, I did have appropriate permission to do it. And so I, I sort of tried all the different modes on a sort of loose, steep surfaces, both up and down the way. And it really was, it really was good. It really just made it incredibly sure footed where, whereas it could have just spun out an inside wheel, uh, and some of the the steeper bends, uh, and also just making sure that the stuff like the descent control and things worked and going up through the speeds and down and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it wasn't green laning or anything, but it was giving that a a little bit, uh, a little bit of a workout.
1: Cool. No, no, it's interesting to know exactly what these things, are capable of I mean I know that you you 've probably taken it on far more adventurous route there than nearly every single owner will ever take it on but mm. it 's good to know that the tech even even though it 's only two wheel drive but the tech does make a heck of a difference
0: well, it 's not just the tech it 's also that the package of avoiding that means you get upgraded to particularly good tires as well let 's not <laughs> forget okay. about that so it 's not just the tech you do that and it gives you better tires. And would I be happy with that instead of all-wheel drive? Ninety odd percent of the time, yes. To have to be something really quite extreme before I wouldn't be happy with that. And some decent tyres, mm-hmm. good system. I enjoyed it. One of the, I think one of our most popular Instagrams so far this year was was a small clip of me driving up round a bend, and you can hear it actually. As I, as I come round, come round through the loose part of the bend and then past, and then that's on loop. So you can watch it as many times as you want.
1: Many is the answer to that.
0: Mm, many people have watched many times. So, so yeah, so, so that really was it for, for technology. Now there is uh, coming very soon a hybrid four version. So you won't just have the choice of the petrol or diesel, but there will be a plug-in hybrid version of this out too, if that interests you. I imagine that that will actually be quite quite an interesting vehicle, because yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I think it will. Uh, there's two reasons. One, it will uh, bring quite a lot of game towards possibly the Mitsubishi Outlander, yep. uh, which I think is the only other plug-in hybrid in this kind of size. I, th-
1: I think. In you're fact, right. it's a bit bigger. Yeah, I think you're right.
0: So I think that that will be that will probably be quite popular with fleets. And, uh, I think it will probably just suit the vehicle quite nicely.
1: Okay. Then, okay. So can you summarize your, your feelings on this car now? Well, looks good.
0: It's decently mm-hmm. priced. Didn't feel cheap. Nothing broke.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's worth looking at. It's way better. If you're going to go, Oh, it's a you Put the snobbery to the side and go, go have a look at it. Okay, it is more, I would argue, it's more stylish than perhaps its Korean competitors.
1: I think in the marketplace, they are the best looking SUVs at the moment for their various various sizes. And I think they've got substance to back that up as well.
0: Well, they seem to. And the thing is, so actually, since I wrote some of these notes, I'd speak to someone at some point about the dealers and, and having these. And to be honest, whereas traditionally... You bought a Peugeot, and the depreciation was epic. Yeah, mm. uh, and the, the the deals on them—they're basically giving them away, and then the depreciation was epic as a result. They don't have to do the giveaways on these because they are running out of the showrooms, and any time they get used ones uh, back on the to sell, then they just disappear off there as well. So it is a—it seems to be a very desirable car anyway.
1: Well, on that front, I noticed in the last week that In our town, there is an awful lot of them. They are massively popular in our town.
0: France is crawling. France is crawling with them. They are everywhere in France. Yeah, I think the ultimate question: what would decide on me would be whether or not I liked my local dealer or okay. whichever dealer I chose to use. If I had a good dealer, hmm. if I had a good dealer, I'd be more likely to buy one than than buying one from certain other dealers. Maybe larger chains, so it depends whether you like your salesman. That that's what it would come down to. It would if you didn't buy it. Would don't think it would be a fault of the car, but it really is excellent on long journeys. Somebody at some point is going to say, "Would a three hundred eight estate have provided exactly the same experience, but with better fuel economy?" Unless I was going up and down hills, then yeah, probably. Mm. But I quite like this, to be honest. I thought it was um, stylish and comfy and, and all sorts of nice things. So. I was I was happy and impressed, and I liked it quite a
1: bit. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you did because cool. after I had the the five thousand and eight, I hoped you were going to try the three thousand eight because I thought that would be mm-hmm. forgetting the whole needing to move people. But I thought that would be yeah. uh, it would be good for you to drive it because I think it would you you do you know about SUVs, particularly quirky ones, but SUVs. So you'd be able to give a proper qualified comment on it and then particularly taking it and exploring the the technology off-road ish then that that was that was interesting as well
0: yeah well i quite like playing with that kind of stuff as you <laughs> as you know no no it, it was interesting and it was it was quite interesting for me to do to not not have the sporty car but also have a good reason to not have the sporty car um which uh, which is which is nice it makes a bit of a change to yeah. be honest. anyway uh, I think that just about rounds us up. So don't forget, folks, that between now and next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you,
1: Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you will find me there. And Alan, if people feel, I don't know why, but perhaps they do feel, but if they felt that you have not covered every aspect of the 3008, what is the best way for them to get in touch and quiz you more about this?
0: <laughs> I don't know what there is left to say, to be perfectly honest. But you can. the best way to get in touch with me is Twitter, where I'm at A-G-P-Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back before very long, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.